Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NBA. This is terrible timing, but that's been 2024. So I think, obviously, we all know the right thing to do is to not play, to take a stand, to, you know, morally, yes, that makes sense. But life goes on. We're all young black guys, and none of us want to give any money back, and I don't think that we should. And I think that money can be used in many different ways. And this is not this is not going to end this summer regardless. That's Toronto Raptors guard Fred Van Vliet. He's got clearly mixed feelings about playing, but ultimately recognizing, yeah, we're going to go play. So Toronto's already gone down to Florida. They're down at Florida Gulf Coast University. Getting ready to go on to Orlando, the bubble. One month from today, the Jazz will open it up against the Pelicans. And PK, I suspect he speaks for a lot of people, a lot of mixed feelings, but ultimately basketball players are going to go play basketball. Well, I think the key there is life goes on. I mean, you know, it's interesting that he says that, uh, the mixed feelings. How about the guy who isn't making that kind of money? Does he have mixed feelings about going to work? Or does he feel grateful that he has a job and is able to go to work? I mean, I'm posing questions. I don't have answers. I've said this a million times. I mean, he's got the does he have the financial availability, speaking of Fred, to be able to think about, well, should I not go? Or what about the guy who's month-to-month, paycheck-to-paycheck? Does he even get to think that? Or Probably. he just has to go to work? He has to. Right. Yeah. But as NBA players, that's not, uh, you know, that's not their reality. For most, for them. For most guys. Uh, maybe there's a few, but I would think for most guys with the money they're making. But that wouldn't be the reality. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and DeAndre Jordan tested positive for COVID-19. Jordan says he will not play in Orlando because of the positive test, while Dinwiddie has not opted out yet. Made me wonder if DeAndre Jordan really didn't want to go anyway because he could quarantine for two weeks and be down there two weeks before the game starts. So assuming he was healthy in two weeks and they didn't say that either one of them had any symptoms to go with this. uh, I was a little surprised that that was the decision right now he's not going because of this he wanted to not go for other reasons but how about that the next suck and have no chance <laughs> you consider that at all seventh in the east kevin you want to play down. okay i'm out then if he was with the lakers would he do that? maybe he would i don't know the answer to that but if you're going to put reasons out there put all the reasons out there that could be possible just don't pick ones that it doesn't matter what they say i don't really care what people say it's because uh, I've learned a long time ago, I told you newspapers don't print truth. They print, they print what they're told. And the Nets are seventh along with Orlando. They are uh, eight and a half, nine games behind the Philadelphia 76ers. The top six, you can make a case anything could happen. But seven and eight, there aren't many things that can happen. What can happen is them getting knocked out by the Bucks or the Raptors in the first round. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. I'm not bitter. I don't have any hatred. I just understand that this is a business first. I appreciate Matt Rule, David Tepper, Mark Kearney. You feel me? You know, everybody. 
Cam Newton appreciates the Panthers, but it is on to New England. Quote Bill Belichick, sort of. Yeah, he is. I'm, this is a great story, man. I'm super excited to see how this plays out. I mean, this is a kid who was at the top of the game for a little bit. Not for a long time, although, you know, except for the injury in here recently, he's been very good. And uh, 31, you would assume he's motivated. I'm really excited to see what he can do. Comeback player of the year. He's got to be a nominee. Rob Gronkowski. You would think he'd be in the mix. Oh, no, no, you can't put ben, Gronkowski in there. Ben Roethlisberger was out half a season. Why can't Gronk be on the list? J.J. Watt's coming off an injury. Because Gronk's not coming off anything. He's he was tired off, for a year. He, he, no, he partied for a year. Okay, fair point. <laughs> Matthew Stafford was injured. He could... Nah, it's the Lions. That won't happen. Put them on the list. There's the comeback stories, and we love stories. And those guys are, uh, you got to figure among the favorites. One of them probably getting that award. Uh, NFL Players Association has instructed player agents to talk to all of their clients about risk factors that can make them more susceptible to severe illness as a result of COVID-19, with NFL training camps drawing closer to opening. A chance is somebody who's got some type of pre-existing condition would just try to power through could lead to some tragic consequences. So I guess get the uh, the agents out there trying to get the players to think about their health. Free agent quarterback Colin Kaepernick is going to be the subject of a six-part series produced by acclaimed director Ava DuVernay. Netflix announced it yesterday. The series Colin in Black and White will explore the quarterback's high school years, attempting to show the experiences and insights that led to his activism. So if you got Netflix, gear up for that. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. University of Arizona pausing its plan to bring athletes back to campus. They cited a surge of uh, coronavirus cases in Pima County. They started bringing athletes back for voluntary workouts in groups of about 20. Arizona said yesterday it received only one positive test after testing 83 athletes. So it's really not about what's going on on campus. It's more the county around it. Arizona. Well, I don't know. People go out to eat. I was going to say, I was going to say University of Arizona. They can put a little bit of a bubble there, but I guess you can't really stop people from going out to eat and going around town. I mean, one test in 83. If that's going to be the standard for stopping things, then everything's going to stop. I don't think that's it. The governor yesterday instituted a 30-day shutdown. I think that's what it's about. It was uh, no restaurants, no bars, no gyms, uh, no water parks, that type of thing. I think that this is what this is just a, an addendum to that. It was once that ruling came down yesterday afternoon. Obviously, I've got people in Arizona. I've got older people in Arizona. They're all concerned about that stuff. So I think that they're they're piggybacking. Arizona's piggybacking on this. So is ASU doing the same thing? Because I saw this University of Arizona stuff last night, but I didn't see ASU. Wonder if they'll be right behind him. I haven't heard, no. I mean, they've already got a lot of kids there, obviously, doing what they're doing. But no, I haven't heard that. The Ivy League is considering a couple of uh, possibilities for an altered football season. Uh, one is foregoing the entire fall in favor of a seven-game 
conference-only spring season that would begin in April and conclude in mid-May. The league also reportedly considering opening the 2020 fall season in late September with a seven-game schedule against conference opponents rather than their normal 10-game schedules. Right. They only play 10 uh, anyway in the three non-conference, seven conference. And I guess that, uh, you know, one of the considerations with going to spring is the closer you get to the NFL draft, the more uh, players are going to stop playing. But in the Ivy League, that's not a huge concern the way it would be in the Power Five leagues that we're normally following here. So a little more flexibility for them, depending on what time of year they want to start. Yeah. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. We have a lot of guys that can play both sides of the baseball. So I think that it's not that prototypical DH uh, for us, although the bats play in that role. Um, But I think for me, Carlos, it's going to be a rotation. And when guys need an off day uh, to get guys off their legs, whether it be, you know, Cody, JT, Mookie here and there, you know, Mike gets Seager Seager off his feet for a game or two. So I think that we have a lot of different options. Kike Hernandez, but we have so many guys that can play both sides. So it's going to be fun for me to add that extra position to play or bat. Well, the Dodgers with a big payroll, a lot of ro- roster options. They can go a lot of ways with the DHPK. Yeah, that was Dave Roberts, their manager, and I was watching Baseball Network last night, and he was doing that, Skyping at a golf course. <laughs> he took time out from his round to go over and do, it was probably about a 10-minute interview with uh, Harold Reynolds and, and Pena and whoever the main host is. Carlos used to play for Tampa Bay and I think Milwaukee maybe. Um, but yeah, he was talking about that going on, on on what the possibilities would be for the Dodgers. They asked him about his golf. He said, "Well, as long as I'm not lying three off the tee, off the tee, I'm usually pretty good." <laughs> <laughs> so obviously he was talking about hitting one OB and <laughs> and having to rehit. And so you're sitting there and you got three shots. You've only taken two, but you've got a penalty. And so uh, I thought that was funny. It's something that I can relate to. Players opting out of the upcoming season include Colorado Rockies outfielder Ian Desmond. Says he's got a pregnant wife and four young children. So he is going to take the year off. Uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, or the 60 games. Arizona Diamondbacks right-handed pitcher Mike Leake. Washington Nationals first baseman Ryan Zimmerman have all decided not to play this year. Yeah, Ross, another pitcher for the uh, Nationals also. And then uh, Ian Desmond. Who's biracial? Is with uh, Colorado. They listed him as a shortstop, which I don't know that he's ever played shortstop since Little League. But nevertheless, uh, he has a huge post on Instagram about uh, stuff that's been bugging him relative to the social unrest and also the lack of uh, African Americans in baseball. It is an issue. Uh, you know, they, they, he wasn't just talking about the players. He's talking about management positions and all that stuff because players you'd think the talent would would take care of itself and and uh you know they only have eight percent which is really really sad that in my mind that there's so few american blacks playing the game now just the way it is yesterday they honored the 100th uh, anniversary of the negro leagues uh, uh, uh all the former presidents they did a thing called tip your cap you can see it i follow mlb on twitter and a lot of players were tipping their cap for the hundred years of the of the negro leagues 
Major League Baseball umpires are still going to travel during the upcoming season, but the league is looking into reducing the amount of travel they do. Some options include driving from one city to the next for games, umpiring entire homestands, and even staying at team hotels. Uh, so there you go. The umpires are getting uh, some live work in intra-squad games, and they're getting tested as they get ready for their role in the upcoming season. It would seem like you could do it with less travel than ever with uh, the way they're going to schedule. It seems like you could schedule crews east, west, and, and central the way they're going to play with the teams. I think there's numerous ways. You know, the entire homestand would be one. It would be an easy thing to do, right? Because usually... It's a series, and then they move. Uh, yeah, yeah, you got uh, most teams. They're not. They don't. Sometimes they do. They don't come home for just one series, and then are back out on the road. Usually, it's you know two or three. So you got that there, and maybe rather than having the traditional crews uh, figure out where these guys want to stay, where they want to be based, and maybe you can do that. Particularly, obviously, in the East. My gosh, you could drive to six teams. That's what they're in, talking about. In yeah. the span of six hours from Boston down to D.C., that's uh, probably about seven hours. Uh, and they also talked to... about California Peak here where they can go from San Diego oh, to course. L.A. to Anaheim to San Francisco and Oakland pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah even you... Phoenix isn't that far. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, no. Far, I mean, P.K. Well. did it to, you know, back and forth. I mean, didn't have time for the beach, but they had time for a game, so. One of the greatest regrets in my life. <laughs> Driving to San Diego at 16 years of age to see a ball game with my mother, brother-in-law, and one sister, and then turning around and coming right, right back. Oh, man, I guess this, that's a shocker. That's how they, they, they wanted to save money because we didn't have it. But, man, it didn't cost any money to look. <laughs> <laughs> the beach is free. <laughs> You just drive over, man. We didn't have to get out of the car. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, sure. From, you know, the most of L.A. to Phoenix is only five hours. So I, I would think they would be able to accomplish this to some degree. You know, Seattle's an outpost. <laughs> yeah, Seattle and Denver and the two Texas teams. Uh, we, we get that. Uh, so uh, another reason to move Denver to Salt Lake is then you'd be more centrally located because we are the crossroads of the West. Not Denver. I don't want Denver. I want the Rockies to move, I should say. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Sean Hyken, NBA reporter for Bleach Report. He's going to join us at 8. Josh Newman, University of Utah beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. What was your initial reaction when you saw the Jazz schedule? I think it's not bad. I expected the schedule to be really tough considering all the crappy teams are no longer involved. And this isn't bad. They play San Antonio twice. If you could pick a team to play twice, San Antonio might be it. Well, it's hard to tell. I'm fascinated by who's going to come back sharp and who isn't. Have the Jazz cogitated everything Quinn wants them to do? And this interruption, the stoppage that they've had, has just given them more time to think about it so that they'll come back sharp from that stoppage. It's all sort of on the table right now. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
DJ and PK brought to you in part by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical is always open during this challenging time. Call Master Electrical Services at 801-543-2222 for upfront pricing and your satisfaction guaranteed. Master Electrical Services will light up your day. So PK, you uh, you write a column every week. You got uh, one here, Mitchell's growth reflected through social media. And you got a comment that turned your head pretty quickly. I did. Yeah, I do. Uh, I wrote that and uh, we posted our website, 1280 The Zone, over there at KSL 2. And yeah, I was thought about, uh, and we talked about it on the air. I mean, much like what uh, Gordon does, uh, the stuff you write about is the stuff you talk about. So it's nothing that would be different. It would be the same line of thought and one of the things that I had said last week was I thought it was good from the jazz perspective that Donovan Mitchell was doing this because if you're going to show this type of leadership you're probably going to show leadership towards the ball club too and it's reflected in his growth he's a 23 year old man 23 year old young man obviously and you know private schools growing up uh, and so maybe becoming more aware of what's going on so he's speaking out and he wasn't speaking out on the job. He was speaking out on his own. So I did put that out there. <laughs> and I got this comment. And it's funny. It shows you how much I know. I don't do a lot of Twitter. Uh, I got tired of getting beat up. And so I basically just uh, backed away from Twitter to a large extent. I don't Because I, I'm not sure it's the real world anyway. Uh, so I put out a photo of uh, the Nork Eagles. I, have a, I, I had a great opportunity last summer to go to the Negro League Museum in Kansas City and I've always wanted to do that because I've said on air how my father grew up in East Orange which is literally walking distance to Nork and so he was of the time where he would go and see and the Nork Bears were a Bears, the Eagles, they were a a Negro League team and he had told me about stories about playing with a guy named Monty Irvin who grew up in the area Many people have heard of him. He was an excellent ball player, played in the big leagues. So I took the picture of the hat, and then I immediately got this comment, and, <laughs> and I mistake, and I was mistaken, uh, because I thought the comment was in response to the photo of the ball cap that I put out on Twitter. And Jeremy said, you're, you're kissing ass too, huh? The NBA is almost completely unwatchable now with these clowns. And I mistakenly thought it was relative to the to the ball cap, and I thought you got to be kidding me. This has nothing to do with that whatsoever. Well, my mistake. Turned because, out it had nothing to do with it whatsoever. Right? Yeah, I couldn't believe that. I actually thought this is outrageous. I'm I'm appalled, uh, but I was wrong. Uh, and I I don't know all the ins and outs of Twitter, obviously. Uh, but then some people I re, I re, I just responded back. Wow, really? And I normally I don't respond back. I just don't do it. I am not going to get any Twitter discussions with people. It's it's not real. It doesn't work. So I don't ever do it. So I thought that this is the one time. Well, I did it wrong. So it shows you I shouldn't have done it anyway. But because uh, then I figured out a lot of people were responding. And then I clicked on it, and then I saw, oh, that was in response to what I put on, and I linked the KSL thing last week. And so he's accusing me of kissing behind. Which, if you read the thing, I didn't think I was really going one way or the other. I was saying, this is what Donovan Mitchell is doing. In fact, I said in the uh, story 
the last thing you need, readers need, is another middle-aged Caucasian lecturing them on a racial issues, which I've heard on and on. I think it's ridiculous for for me or anybody else, really, particularly who doesn't have much experience in these subjects, to be lecturing people on what they should be doing. I mean, if you got to lecture people... Uh, then you're probably not going to be able to change their minds anyway. If they're not willing to do it by themselves, your lecturing isn't going to work. <laughs> and believe me, that's something that I have learned the hard way. Let me tell you about that. <laughs> so lecturing people, tell them, here's what you need to do. It's, it, it, you're, you're, you're talking to a wall people because tend to, they tend they're going to already down. do it anyway. Yeah, the people tend to shut down at that the point. The people who you want on your side to do what you want them to do, they're doing it to begin with. So lecturing people, particularly on, on race relations, is not going to work. It's a waste of time, 100%. And if our guys on air do it or anybody else does it, I think it's stupid because they're not going to do it. As you say, they tend to shut down. So got a lot of response on this uh, and guys going back and forth with this guy. And then this morning I got one. And this is just uh, uh, as recently as uh, 15 minutes ago. Guy tweets at me, says, PK, Donovan is our version of LeBron. And he's got a question mark. So I don't know if he's asking me, is Donovan our version of LeBron? Or he's making a statement, Donovan is our version of LeBron with the question mark. Because then he goes on to say, LeBron lied. He was a victim of a hate crime. LeBron doesn't believe in basic human rights. He doesn't believe people in Hong Kong should have democracy. All LeBron cares about is money. LeBron is a total hypocrite. Well, if Donovan is our version of LeBron, then he's saying Donovan is a total hypocrite and all he cares about money, blah, 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 blah. Well, Donovan himself, uh, as we know, got plenty of blowback on Twitter. So I'm not surprised that you writing about Donovan generated blowback on Twitter. Okay. Uh, But I I think that this is a little bit different. I have a hard time giving Donovan blowback in the manner in which he did it. Because every American citizen has the right to do what he did. Would we, we all agree on that? Sure, but just because people have the right to do it doesn't mean that people aren't going to get angry and go back No, that, but that's not what I'm asking. I'm asking, do we have... Yes. Do we, we all agree he has the right the, to do it. You've got the right to do it. Right. Absolutely. And he wasn't doing it on the job. Which is your point about Colin Kaepernick. Right. He was on the job. Right. He's literally, literally on the job. Literally in uniform on the field. Right. But the NBA isn't playing right now. Donovan can do whatever workouts he's going to want to do, and then the rest of the day you can do whatever you want. Yeah, well, there was no affiliation with the Jazz in what he was doing. Now, obviously, everybody recognizes him as an NBA player, but at the same time, he's an American citizen, too. And so what he was doing is expressing his right to his opinion as an American citizen. So I... I yeah, my point is I'm trying to find some common ground here, and I would think that would be common ground, that what what he did was well within his rights of what he was doing, and it wasn't, it had nothing to do with anything about the NBA. Now, he has a platform that obviously gives him a voice that is far greater than you and me, and we have a platform that is far greater than Joe the accountant, probably, or Jeremy and SP in this example. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's yeah. got a, he's got eighty three followers. 
you've probably got at least 15, maybe 20,000, somewhere in there. And, and then yeah, Donovan, and, I don't know, I'd have to look. Holy cow. Well, yeah, and it's just, and it's beyond that. I mean, it's, it's, I work in print, TV, and radio. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we got it. We, we've got platforms. So, one degree or another. Now, certainly Donovan's platform is much greater yeah. than mine. Of course it is. Uh, he's a very talented young basketball player on the rise for sure. So, I, I think that, and, and, and going to the bigger picture, I'm going to write about that uh, this week here too, is, you know, uh, Quinn Snyder talked about uh, that quote, uh, I forget, uh, I can go get it, but it was something that uh, complacency. To complicity. Uh, it, it's a slippery it, it, slope. Yeah. Paraphrasing, it, but. That's, yeah, you, you got it. You nailed it. And. I think this NBA, the stuff that they're going to do now, stuff came out last night that they're going to have Black Lives Matter painted on the court. And when we also, we talked about yesterday on the social messaging on the back where their names would be. I think to a degree, that's a slippery slope. Because just this little stuff that I wrote, and mine was, man, mine was not controversial, unless you think the right to express yourself is controversial. Uh, I happen to not think it is, obviously. But if you think it is, I mean, I guess you're you're free to do that. But they're going to go down a slippery slope because some people are turned off by this, and it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate all this stuff when the games start. And you talk about one month to, from today. Uh, I'm I'm super excited. I don't I don't think I've ever been more excited to watch jazz basketball. Uh, regular season anyway, ever. Uh, playoffs are a different story. But uh, regular season, which they're going to have, uh, I'm super excited. S- but how are they going to v- do all this and not turn some people off who don't think that sports and politics should be missing, uh, mix- mixing, not missing, mixing, you know, the shut up and dribble line that was, what, last year, the year before, whenever that was. So how do they do all that? making their point known without turning off some people that may cost them money uh, over the long term. I've got two answers for you. Number one, number one, (laughs) very carefully. Yeah, but number two, they are going to turn some people off. The only question is how many. And at some point, if the owners and the commissioner want to dial it back, are the players going to be on the same page? Is is something going to happen? And this is where I don't have answers, but I just wonder if something happens and everybody looks at it and says, "Okay, we got to do this. We got to do this differently. We got to rethink what we're doing here. Or it is going two different directions where maybe the owners and the commissioner are like, "Okay, we're getting some pushback from the networks or advertisers or, you know, whoever. Uh, corporate sponsors and we need to dial it back and the players are like no no and then maybe we get to a baseball situation where you know the the union and the owners just never seem to be in step there here in basketball they're not always in step but they're in step most of the time and we've had a couple of lockouts right we've had what two lockouts in the last 25 years that have impacted the game because we had a 66 game season about 2012, and then in 99, we had the 50-game season. So they're not always in step, but they're in step quite a bit. There seems to be less battling between the union and the commissioner and the owners in basketball than there is in football, and then less in football than there is in baseball. 
Agreed. But yeah. this, but this, uh, you know, to your point, if it if it starts turning people off, how many people and how do they react? You know, I could I could see where this could split them later. Right right now, they seem to be on the on the same page. It's interesting because what's the old phrase? One man's freedom fighter is another man's terrorist. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. And so, how you view? You can go right back to the American Revolution. And this situation. Yeah, the English. You know, you, you're supposed to be out in the middle of the field, lined up, and and you know, fighting from behind trees and off the side of the road. You're not doing it the right way. So yeah, right to the Eng- the you know the English and the Revolutionary War. Absolutely. You know, I think what Jeremy said, and here's the thing. First off, and this is to your point, the Twitter isn't real communication. I can look at his tweet and, you know, I don't know, Jeremy, right? But just looking at his tweet, I wonder if he read the story. I can't guarantee you he did. He doesn't reference anything. And maybe he did, but he doesn't reference anything. He couldn't have just gotten from the the headline and the cut line, I guess, the old newspaper. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. it says on the tweet, Patrick Kinahan Colon, Mitchell's growth reflected through social media. I view that as the headline. Underneath it says, underneath the photo, it says, displaying his maturity in a public way, Donovan Mitchell is progressing as a professional basketball player and as a person. Did he read anything more than that? Maybe he did, but maybe he didn't. You know, maybe he just saw the topic and he just fired off. Now, you think it's neutral, but if you're really emotional about the topic, you're not bringing that neutrality to the first word, the first sentence. You know, you're already fired up and that's your point that like twitter can be enlightening it can be real communication but it isn't automatically maybe he didn't read the story and maybe his reaction is more his reaction to society as a whole and everything he's seen and heard in the last 24 48 hours week month whatever and less to what you wrote and that's why it isn't real communication because we don't really know what triggered the reaction and then to your point about what impact this is going to have on the business Man, if I said this in the show on another topic, this topic isn't funny, so you're not laughing about it. But if I said this on another topic, um, you know, we were just talking about Cam Newton. Uh, you know, is he going to be already in the lead for the uh, comeback player of the year? And then you can list two, three, four other players who, you know, could easily be in that. If I said he's almost completely, you'd be all over me. Wasn't it? Almost completely. <laughs> completely. Not completely. You're, you're kissing ass too. The NBA is almost completely unwatchable now with these clowns. So that Jeremy's leaving the door open for himself to keep watching. Right. And yes, I agree on that. And that that's an astute point to make on that. He and those folks who are thinking along those lines better be prepared for more of this. We have been, you can say we've been bombarded with this. Now, I'm not saying that's negative. I'm just saying it's an onslaught. It's constant. You know, they did it last night, as I understand, looking at social media this morning before work. They did it in Provo. I went to bed before the news, so I did not see the news. And I got on this morning and checking stuff out, and they were protesting basically in Provo. So we're weeks away from the initial incident that led to all this stuff. We're still doing it. That's fine. You want protest, protest. Uh, just, you know, I have a problem with the, with the rioting, the looting and whatnot, but that's just me. Uh, so it's still out there. So it, it is constant. And some people that I guess they get turned off by it. Uh, but you know, to me, they're expressing their rights to do that stuff, but the league, you know, what is appropriate 
And I don't have an answer to that, so I'm not going to sit here and tell you I've got an answer to it, and this is what they should do and what they shouldn't do. But it's going to be interesting to see because once you start to get into that preaching stuff, then it's like you lose your message. Your message could be 100% correct, but if you're preaching it to me over and over again, I'm going to be negatively responding to the actual preaching not so much the message. The message will get lost, and the preaching will supersede the message. It's like the whole thing with the Kaepernick. They want to say it wasn't about the flag. Other people say it was about the flag. Well, right then and there, the message is getting distorted because you're saying, no, it wasn't about the flag. Well, yes, it was. To me, it was about the flag. And so the idea of police brutality no longer becomes the message. It becomes about something else. You see what I'm saying? So I here, saw, I, I saw what you were saying from the first morning. Growing up in San Diego, where there's so many retired military. I mean, I, it's such a high, high percentage of the population. There was no doubt in my mind that the flag was going to supersede the police brutality discussion. There was zero doubt in my mind that that was going to go the way it was. I and mean, where I grew okay, up, that, that was a just, it was a complete lock. There was no discussion. And so here, where we're going, that if they continue to, in the view of some folks, pound it into our heads or their heads, then the message is going to get lost again. It's going to get confused. It's going to get blurred. So I'm really fascinated to see how the NBA handles this, and they want to be socially responsible. Everybody wants to think they're woke. Yeah, of course, man. Yeah, I don't have any prejudice. I don't do that. But they do, but I don't do that. Blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, they've never had a black person in their home. They never sat down with a black person and had a meal in their home. Or the, uh, the black person's home. They have very little interaction. But they're woke. All right, be woke. Everybody wants to think that. So how is, how is the league going to handle this? That's, that's where I'm interested. I already know the message. The message is already out there. And it's already been out there for a long time. Police brutality is bad. Lives matter. Well, of course they do. I've already known that. How are they going to handle this delicate situation of pursuing their message point of stop preaching at me, man. I'm worried about my bill to pay each week and, and so forth and so on. And I want to view basketball as a little bit of an outlet of entertainment like I do to the movies, you know, and I want to go there and have a good time and watch these superior guys play this sport that I grew up liking or even loving and you're preaching to me, and it's turning me off, there's going to be a fair amount of folks who are going to think that. So how are they going to traverse this path? I find just extremely interesting to see how they're going to handle this situation. Well, society's so divided, and there's so many voices, that I think at some point you have to realize that no matter what you do, no matter what you say, somebody's going to be irritated in some pretty real numbers, not just a few outliers. A pretty good chunk of people is going to be irritated. If you do nothing, there's also the chance a chunk of people will be irritated. 
I, I think the biggest thing, because I think you're right about the preaching. People don't want to be preached to after a while. They get tired of it. And then I think also some of the people who are with you are going to say, okay, I've heard enough about it. What are we going to do that's going to yield results? What's going to yield actual change? And I think right now, uh, you know, it's pretty early on, and I'm not sure that anybody has a clear vision of what is going to yield the most change. You know, people are doing can start doing small things. I mean, it's it's really unique right now. Maybe this will be really different in you know five years. But it's really unique right now that the Atlanta Hawks are going to turn their arena over on election day, and it's going to be a place people can go and vote. And you know, we see these just massive lines usually in communities that are heavily black, uh, but we see these massive lines. There aren't enough polling places. There aren't enough places for people to vote. Now, the rules may change going forward, and we don't need to get into all the stuff about mail-in balloting and early voting and all that. But the Hawks, I mean, like, they're doing something concrete, you know? Is it going to work? Are we still going to see long lines? Are we still going to see, you know, people standing outside at closed doors? I don't know, but that's like one one thing that they're actually going to do. And I think that with the players, one thing they've got is they've got financial resources. Are they really going to start doing their own thing from the ground up? Or are they going to start working with organizations in the community that are already working on some of these issues? Are they going to use their celebrity? Are they going to use their money? Are they going to use both? You know, how much time are they going to want to put into it over the long run? Because I, I thought Fred Van Vliet, what he said, he said, this is not going to end this summer regardless or over the next couple months. This issue, racial injustice, social injustice, police brutality, all these things are not ending anytime soon. Our fight is long term. You know, he's right. And, and the players, <clears throat> it's going to be long term. And if you say it's going to be, you know, 10 or 20, you can pick a number, right? But, but if you're picking 20 years, well, who in the NBA is going to be playing now? You're going to have new people coming in with new ideas, wanting to do things new ways. And a lot of those fights are going to play out in public. I don't know, fights, disagreements, you know, what direction should we be going? Will one generation want to listen to another? Right now, Chris Paul has the loudest voice in the room, but is he going to be playing in five years? Who will be running the Players Association then? Who will have the loudest voice in the room? So to your point, like, it's interesting, and who knows what direction it's going to go? You know, I don't know what direction it's going to go, and I, I don't know for a lot of reasons. Stuff I can't possibly answer. Well, I think that uh, it'll go on for infinity. That's my thought. Uh, but see, the, you said that the that they could do nothing. Uh, a lot of people would be fine with them doing nothing because then it goes on. We're a basketball league and we play basketball. It's what we do. Uh, I was listening to uh, a show uh, yesterday on the Beatles on Sirius radio and Lennon, we're going to play some songs for you because that's what we're here to do. And, <laughs> It's as simple as that. So the league could just say, hey, guys, you can do whatever you want. Just do it on your own time. So the league doesn't have to do anything. The players can do whatever they want, like Donovan Mitchell. Do what he wants, right? He can, he can lead this cause in this state or whatever he wants to do. He doesn't have to do it on company time. And it still would be far more powerful what you're, go- what you're going to do during a game with a thing on your back and uh, a logo on a court, how does that tell, uh, help uh, Mike in South Central 
get an education, get a job, support his family. Whereas what they can do on their own, you can help Mike, and you can really help Mike. I just wonder, what can the league do outside of things that are just basically ceremonial? And they can donate money and all that stuff. I get all that. and they can, But they can do that, and I assume they're already doing that anyway. And that's stuff that's been ongoing for a long, long time. And so they would continue to do that. Uh, but then you factor in the money for the league, and th- this league has proven, as they should be, they're concerned about money. And the China thing, it's out there, man. These guys who are out there and have loud voices on some issues, man, they grew awfully silent on those other issues. And I don't think that reflected well. I mean, you gotta, you can't, I guess you can, but human rights are human rights across the board. So, you know, what are they going to do and face the blowback? And what type of blowback are they going to face? I applaud them for wanting to do these types of things and because they could take the easy way out, but they don't want to. But yet, how are people going to respond? That's going to be a, the games are going to be a story, obviously. But this other stuff is also going to be a story, which it might even be a bigger story than the actual games. All things to ponder don't have any answers. But one month from today, we'll find out because they'll have the stage in Orlando and sports will be back and it'll be a big deal. And what is set on the court and what's on guys jerseys. I mean, it'll take a couple days, you know, that are there are only two games the first day, Yach. I know there's Lakers Clippers in prime time and there's yeah, Jazz Pelicans. Jazz Pelicans, that. Lakers Clippers. So it's going to take three days before TNT everybody's played better. and what is everybody wearing on their jersey and which direction have guys gone. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Sean Hyken, NBA reporter for Bleacher Report, coming up at 8 o'clock. We can talk to him about this, also where he sees the Jazz in the West. We've heard from Quinn Snyder and we have heard from Joe Ingles and you know when we hear from Rudy Gobert, we're going to hear a ton of confidence because why would Rudy be any other way? So, But is everybody viewing the Jazz the, the same way that the Jazz seem to be viewing themselves? We'll talk with Sean Hyken about that coming up at 8 o'clock. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. If our entire country shut down social media for one month, how much of these problems would clear up? Wow, we're turning into get off my lawn guy right now. I would love to see a world that takes a month off of social media. That's how I want to make America great again. Blow up Twitter and Facebook. I have the FBI on line seven. I didn't mean literally. I just meant like not use it is what I meant. Well, I'll play it back and we'll see what you meant. No, don't, don't, no, no, don't play it. (laughs) That's how I want to make America great again. Blow up Twitter and Facebook. Did you drop a sound effect? Do it again. Blow up Twitter and Facebook. And I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. Hanson Scotty. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. With a little extra time on your hands, it's time to talk about what we're doing to kill time. What did you watch last night with DJ and PK on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network? Too much time on my hands. Too much time on my hands. 
PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Well, PK, you were watching a little baseball network last night. You get anything else good out of that? No, just talking about the teams, the seasons, uh, what they expect. They had the uh, Miami Marlins. I don't know what his title is, uh, GM or whatnot. And Harold Reynolds talked about, well, you know, you're a couple of seasons away. You're accumulating a lot of good prospects in the draft. You know, the draft was only five rounds, and they took pitchers. Every single selection, I think they had six, and all six selections were pitchers. And so they brought on this this man to talk about the uh, the Marlins picks. You know, was it the situation where you set out to do pitching, or did you take the best available? Which I always think, every draft, you should take the best available. And that's what he said. You know, we, it just it worked out that way. And... Do you realize if you went with the philosophy, the best available, that the Chicago Bulls never would have existed to the level that they did if they went, if Portland went best available? They'd have Michael Jordan. <laughs> you imagine these Bulls things? Bulls would have Sam Bowie and... Uh, I don't know if they would have taken Sam Bowie, though. You yeah, can't say that. Uh, I mean, he was injured in college. Maybe they would have taken Barkley. He was in that draft. Maybe they would have taken Stockton and screwed up the Bulls and the Jazz. Probably wouldn't have taken Stockton, you know, since he was a little bit lower. But you're right about the Barkley thing, certainly, because he was, he was a, yeah, he was a name brand coming out of college. Uh, the what are they? The the, the lar, What was it? The round mound of rebound or something? Yep, that's it. Said, yeah. And so I was thinking about that. Uh, where he he was definitive. Nope, best player available. It wasn't anything we're looking to load up on pitching. So if we've got this uh, player, let's just use a baseball, we got some outfielder, uh, but we want pitching. But Mike Trout's sitting there, but we want pitching. <laughs> and, uh, and so we're going to take pitching. No, I don't think you should ever do that, man. If, if you've got uh, somebody at a position that's talented, do it. And then they, Harold Reynolds came back on and he said, well, even if they didn't go with that philosophy and they wanted to take the best pitcher available who might have been rated a little lower than a position player, the thing about pitching, he said, is that you can always move pitching, meaning you can trade pitching, because every team that's what? ever played the game is always looking for pitching. I mean, it's, it's, doesn't matter what level. They're so dominant that they're like the quarterback, you know. The better your pitchers are, obviously, the better your team is going to be. And you can have somebody like a Mike Trout, who recognizes the best player in the game, has only played in three playoff games. And he's going to be 29 years old, I think, uh, this summer. So he's starting to get up there a little bit now, right? So that's the philosophy there. But, yeah, just think of all the teams – who went with somebody because they thought they had another position covered. Well, who do they uh, – they had uh, Paxton's older brother, right, the Blazers? Mm-hmm. And did they have Drexler too? Was Drexler there yet? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was just a youngster. That was had, part of the thing is they had Drexler, so why have Jordan? They play the same position because <laughs> they're Drexler and Jordan and they could dominate. And I thought they had Jim Paxton too, John's right. older brother. I think they did. And, 
and then who is taller than John, and then John ends up hitting a game-winning shot for the Bulls. <laughs> it's just crazy to think about one move, how one move can affect years to come, literally years to come. And the Blazers then, years later, they're deciding between Odin and Durant. Don't! They take Odin, he's got injury issues, and he doesn't amount to anything as a professional. And Duran is still going strong, obviously sitting out this season by Seattle and then moves over to uh, Oklahoma City when the franchise moves. But yeah, suppose uh, Portland would have taken Durant. Oh man, that's crazy when you think about it, how they, they, they go in, they do all this study, and then they get it wrong. And then the other team, who doesn't really have a choice, they're taking whomever you don't take. And I, for, relative to the Jazz, a few years back, what they were drafting 12th and Phoenix was drafting 13th or 13th and 14th, somewhere in there. And as we understand, Phoenix was going to take whoever the Jazz didn't take between Trey Lyles and Devin Booker. And the Jazz take Lyles, a little bit bigger, and then the Suns quickly... Take Booker. Scoop up and up. The Suns suck, but Booker's a decent player. I think we've, we've got to acknowledge he's a pretty good player. He can score it. Yeah. So they they sort of lucked out by the other team taking the other guy. So that's why the, the NBA draft is, is just so fascinating, and really all drafts. So my point is always go best player available, and then you can adjust if you have to afterward. Well, something you might want to watch tonight is something by Carl Reiner. The news is breaking this morning that he has passed away at the age of 98. And, you know, if you are of a certain era, he was the -the over-the-top TV host in the Dick Van Dyke show. Um, But if that's, you know, that might not be your era, but he was the genius behind four Steve Martin movies, along with Steve, obviously. So maybe you watch a little little Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid tonight. Or he's Meathead's father. Yes, yes, Meathead's father, Rob, his son, and uh, all in the family. And then also, if you want something a little more current, although the movie's now almost 20 years old, he was Saul in Ocean's Eleven. I was going to say, rushed it. When, you, when you get <coughs> Ocean's movies, come on. He was so good. Yeah, he was really good in Ocean's 11, 12, and 13. Uh, Ocean's Eleven, easily my favorite of those three, but anyway. So, Carl, Carl Reiner was, uh, was 98, so... Little viewing for you tonight. You can watch one of his uh, TV shows or one of his movies. All right, DJ and PK. Uh, when we come back, Sean Hyken, NBA reporter for Bleacher Report. The Jazz seem confident without Bogdanovich. Should everybody else be that confident? We'll talk with Sean about that next. Stay with us.